The Download with DP, a weekly podcast talking about high school and college sports right here in Central Illinois. I'll discuss what I saw in the past week, what's coming up on Channel 1450, and what we're looking forward to. Episode 45, Season 2, is here. And I know that not many are listening because even the people who sell the ads for Channel 1450 had no idea that this podcast has been going strong every single week for just under two years now, but that's okay. I appreciate everyone that does listen and is interested in what's going on with local sports in the Springfield area. Let's get started with what I saw in the past week. Last Thursday, I spoke with Alyssa Riley, the new Glenwood girls basketball head coach, and then I caught Pleasant Plains signing day. Best of luck to those six Cardinals. Thursday evening, a quick one back in Pleasant Plains. The Cardinals win their soccer invite by dominating Williamsville. These Cardinals are the real deal. They have one senior on this team, and I wouldn't want to play them at the 1A level this year, let alone in the next few years. They head to North Mac next week for regionals. We'll get to more of that later on. Last Friday, got some New Berlin pretzels making their signing day official. Ten of them, in fact, impressive from the New Berlin School District. Friday evening, Springfield High Baseball sweeps Washington. That's a team that went to state the past two seasons at the 3A level. Griffin Burke gets the win in Game 1. Ryan Crum gets the win in Game 2. More on those Senators later with this week's special guest. On Saturday, Glenwood Soccer taking on Belleville Altoff after the Crusaders beat Maine South 6-1 on Friday. The Titans dominate on Saturday. Ryland Law scores five goals to power the Titans to a huge win. Also got some bass fishing results at the Rochester Invite on Saturday afternoon before talking with Nick Broker. He got drafted by the Buffalo Bills. A big thank you to Nick Broker for all his time the past two seasons, especially on this podcast. Looking forward to big things from him in Buffalo. Speaking of the NFL, Avante Cox refuses to do an interview, but the Rochester grad is headed to rookie minicamp at Washington and Baltimore, hoping to get his chance at the NFL level. Good luck to Avante. On Monday, spoke with Lincoln's Chloe Froby about her commitment to Colorado State. She's a very special talent and a very just a very good person. She's a great interview, and I can't wait to see what she does for the rest of her career. Thankfully, we get to see her one more season at Lincoln. Can't wait for that. On a windy Monday afternoon, the Green Machine made its way to Mount Pulaski for the New Berlin game. Not much to take away from this game because you can't play baseball in those conditions, except the fact that no one is going to want to play the Hilltoppers in the 1A postseason. I can promise you that. On Tuesday, I was out in Rochester along with about 15 Major League Baseball scouts for Parker Detmer's day. Jack Sweeney, his counterpart, made this CS8 game a huge one, and it delivered in spades. Detmers throws a no-hitter through six innings, but the Rockets capitalize on some Titan errors and hand the Titans their first CS8 loss of the season, 4-3. Yeah, go check out the highlights to see how that happened because you can't just explain it in words. On Wednesday, I was in Auburn for the Sagamo Boys and Girls Conference track meet, and man, we have so much incredible talent in that conference we are truly blessed some great athletes and i look forward to seeing a lot of them make it to state and compete for titles that leads me to what's coming up on channel 1450 on thursday we will have the central state eight girls track meet man speaking of uh some some incredible talent get get ready to see some good stuff on thursday at southeast and williamsville baseball yes the sagamo outright champs are hosting springfield high and some non-conference baseball we will also have a tri-city signing on thursday and a Porta signing on Friday. As we move to Friday, weather permitting, 
We're hoping for SHG at Glenwood Soccer and Glenwood Baseball travels to Edwardsville for a big matchup with the Tigers between two of the best teams in the state. On Saturday, Southeast is at Williamsville Baseball and Carterville is at Glenwood for some softball. The Titans softball team still undefeated in CSA action. On Monday next week, Springfield High has a big signing day. On Tuesday, Springfield is at Rochester Baseball and Springfield is at Glenwood for soccer. Rochester is at Springfield for baseball on Wednesday, and the girls' 1A postseason soccer gets underway next week. Next Thursday is the CSA Boys Track Meet. I believe that's in Chatham. All right, enough of that. Most of you, heck, all of you came here for this. The special guest this week is Springfield High head coach Jim Steinwart. All right, I am joined again by Jim Steinwart this week to talk all things baseball, because who better to talk baseball with than Mr. 700 and what are we at now? Two? Three? Seven hundred and two, I think. Okay, seven hundred and two. Let's start there. How does it feel to kind of pass that milestone? Knowing, um, I mean, did you think you'd get to that point? Well, (laughs) I figured we'd we'd better win sixteen games this year. (laughs) Um, It was kind of funny, just because um, Ryan Crum's the only person on the planet that knew. They had a max preps thing at the beginning of the year that listed the top winningest coaches in the country and. He saw it, and I got. I didn't know it went out to kids. And he said, "Ghost, got that Max Preps list, and you're in the top 100 in the country." <laughs> yeah, Ryan, it, it's about 90th. <laughs> I said, "The funniest part, if you look further, I think I'm third in the country in losses." So, <laughs> and that was, oh man, that was in the preseason. Yeah. And I just forget it. Who cares? So, I didn't think anything about it, and and I was, I mean, I I knew. I got in trouble when I got home because I didn't share with my wife, and she wasn't there, <laughs> and she heard it on the radio. And so she wasn't real pleased when I got a greeting in tears. Um, but my comeback was, well, you, you didn't know or care about 600, 500. <laughs> it's just another number. Don't worry about right. it. So, um, I, yeah, I mean, it's cool, but at the same time, you sit there and go, there's an awful lot of losses there. <laughs> and... and uh, I don't know. I love numbers and playing around with that. And you just look at how many incredible coaches we have around here and, and their disparity in wins and loss. I mean, this, to me, just highlights the Dave Greers and the Pat Moomies. Um, and then you go in other sports, the Neil Alexanders, the Helen Dooleys, the Jane Grebners. And it's just, you see those, and it's like there's a wide gap between <laughs> wins and losses where this one kind of comes out to you had a few better days than, than bad days over a long period of time. And, and that part's cool. I mean, I'm just so blessed and thankful to God to have this opportunity. I didn't get out of college thinking I was going to coach. I mean, I, I got out of baseball because of college. <laughs> and then it was sort of, you know, I don't think that that's it. You know, you're hanging them up. I think I played one more summer ball year with college guys, and, and I just kind of figured we're done. And, and Dan Callahan was the one that, we happen to be, and there's no happen coincidences and luck. I don't believe in that. I mean, it was just supposed to happen this way. That We met at a new teacher's meeting. He'd already been here, but he was a study hall supervisor, and so they run you through that orientation. And I think I introduced myself to him, said, I know you're the baseball coach, Springfield High. I, you know, I've played a little ball in the past. Hey, if you ever need anything. I just figured that was just a way to greet. And he said, hey, if you're not doing anything, come on out. And... No, you don't have to be there every day. Just uh, show up when you want. And so I did. So I got to hang out with, with Coach Torricelli and Coach Riggle when they were kids. 
and uh, didn't have to go every day. I was dating a girl at the time, so I just kind of showed up two, three times a week. He let me throw BP, hit ground balls, and it was it was a fun group, obviously, to to hang out with and uh, and just watch all the success they had. So, you know, between just the Lord setting that up and, and, and having the parents I had and the wife I had, it's like, man, I could, who would ever guess that you get to wear a baseball uniform when you're 60 years old? I mean, like every kid, I dreamt to be a major leaguer until I kind of recognized how far that talent level <laughs> was going to go. So it's just such a treat. So so that part makes it cool. But other than that, I kind of don't want to say a whole lot. <laughs> when uh, when you mentioned Ryan Crum and, you know, he, he knew, um, how much does it mean to you when those guys care so much about that number, when they say, man, we're proud of our coach, forget the 700? Because – there's not a more supportive group than it seems like this, especially this kind of core group that you have and, and what they've what they've accomplished and how happy they are for you for this number as well. Well, that's, I think, what we preach daily is is unselfishness and that our better teams were our most, more unselfish ones and that every one of us is selfish. I mean, we are all selfish. And, you know, our goal should be to be less selfish. And when you start caring about others more than yourself, a lot of those things that you started out wanting for yourself happen when you get it get off yourself. And obviously Ryan's been exposed to that more than any others on our team. I mean, I know Seth and, and the Burke boys were there, but, but Ryan was there sooner and, and got to hear a lot of these messages and then watch it play out. And, and we're always going to battle that. I battle that. I tell them daily. It's like, you know, we all want to go way and way when we don't get our way. And it's like... And then everybody sits in church and says, thy will be done. It's like, you're not doing thy will, but you're doing my will. And we pray for my will. And it's like, that's that's wrong. You know, and so learn to give and serve. And and Ryan, you know, he's just the epitome of that. And, and one of the better ones at figuring that out. And so, yeah, that, that says a lot about his heart and his character. When you say, you know, you've achieved 702. And like you said, you're a numbers guy. And, and baseball, I, I feel like, is... It's heavily a, a numbers game when you look at all the different analytics, especially now that they can throw out there, whether it's spin rate or, you know, just so many different numbers. Um, when, when you say 702, I mean, what does that mean to you in the, in the grand scheme of, of your career and where you're at? Well, it's not and I achieved anything at all. I mean, it's, it's such a credit to our coaches. I mean, who has coaches, three of them that were – that have been what twenty to twenty-two to twenty-five years. They've been, you know, the ones that run things more than than I do. I, I'm, I always, I joke, but it's true. I'm the traveling secretary and GM. I set things up, and then um, I hope I'm smart enough to get out of the way and let them coach. And then I'll pop in my few things that, you know, I, I spend my most time on, is, you know, studying the mental game. But I let them coach and get out of the way, and then. To have five former players as assistants is such a, a joy. And, and I joke that since they all played for me, they know how much help I needed. So <laughs> hey, can we help? You know, because we know you can't do it very well. But, I mean, what an incredible gift it is to be surrounded by so many good people. And, uh, and you know, the kids we've had are, have just been outstanding kids. And the few knuckleheads we've had. Uh, surprisingly, almost all did well later, and I hear from them later, and it, it, that's fun and funny just because they were a pain in the neck at the time. But 
But that's a big thing I share with all those guys is my number one job is to love you. And yours is to love each other. And, and we get to have that little talk, you know, because at first they give you that funny look of love. And, and then you get to teach them that, you know, it's just like home. It doesn't mean I like you. Um, you know, I walk in this house. <laughs> I'm not the most liked person alive. And, and I think there's a good, and that's the other part. It's to me, my job to teach them life lessons through baseball. And, and so many things apply in terms of failures and overcoming them. And, and we always say next pitch. Well, it's that way in every day of your life. You've got a plan. And that's your job to have a plan. But how many times does it blow up for all of us within an hour? And you'll hear kids say, oh, I'm having a bad day. It's 10 o'clock in the morning. You're not having a bad day. You had a few things go wrong. Let's get, get out of the next thing and make it a good day. Have a, so, you know, a few more goods than bad. And we talk about that with the kids. There is no such thing as a, a good game and a bad game. They're all good and bad. And your goal is to try to have more goods than bads. And when you're playing an opponent, to, to have fewer bads than they do. Uh, um and I just think you put all that together, and that's the whole joy in, in coaching and passing on. And I tell them that, too. It's like, all I'm doing is passing on everything I've screwed up in my entire <laughs> baseball career, trying to teach you what not to do so that you can do better than I did in all areas. So that's that's the most fun part of everything. In this area, we're, we've talked about this before, but we're, I mean, so blessed with um, having guys like Jim Rupert and Tim Schweitzer not only call your guys' games, but... Um, be on the radio and I heard a caller last week you know on Thursdays when Dan Rourke takes time away from his vacations to actually come in and, <laughs> and join Rube, Uh their conversation I know you listen too oh yeah uh, their conversations are just so great you know about um, the ins and outs of stuff and so uh, I, I kind of want to dig a little deeper into yours and, and your past in terms of ba- baseball because I mean 700 is a, is a long a lot of wins and that's a lot of time we've talked about it before of how long you've done this and um, so let's just start. I want to go back to the beginning. What what's your first baseball memory? How how did it kind of all start for you? Because clearly there's there's a passion there. Well, I, I remember I was probably seven years old when I played. I was a Cub Scout, and that was probably about my limit of Cub Scouts. Is about seven eight years old, and we had Cub Scout baseball, which was really it was an underhand uh, league that we did. I never did coach pitch t ball. We didn't have all that stuff back then but it was just a, a an introduction to baseball but it was really softball it was underhand pitch and I played one year of that and I, and I liked it and I thought you know what? I want to play some little league so we had little league and and oh man it was like eight nine years old we had some kids on vacation and they needed a pitcher I said I'll try it and I had some success right away I could throw strikes and I was like well this is cool and uh, so I, I pitched quite a bit I had a really good little league career um I was I was kind of <laughs> as heavy as I as I look now. I kind of was I was a pudgy kid, and then um, and I kind of progressed into. We had Pony League after that, and man, we had some quality talent up in Aurora too. We had a kid named Bob Kipper, who I believe still coaching in the minors, who eventually pitched for the Pirates. Uh, another one that played on our high school team, Tony Leonardi. His one of his bragging deals is that his pink slip was signed by Hank Aaron because he. <laughs> pitch a little in the Braves organization and so anyway I grew up through Pony League and I did pretty well um I know I I was a pretty good pitcher and I could I could hit a little bit um I lost the weight and trimmed up which was funny because I used to be like the hardest thrower as a, as a high school or as a little league kid I threw really hard well the problem is <laughs> I sort of was getting close to peeking out and, and I was 
close to the height I am now by the time I was 14. Okay. And, and so being left-handed, and I had a good curveball, a good pickoff move, and I threw hard. And uh, But then they kept moving the distance back. <laughs> so when we got to high school, um, I didn't throw as hard, but I kind of became, I mean, I was throwing as hard, but I was already kind of the size I, I am. And uh, so I sort of went from the flame-throwing youngster to average, but... But I was that crafty lefty with the curveball, so I still did reasonably well in high school. Um, we had some kids that uh, went to a camp, and these were the better kids. And at the time, that was illegal over Christmas. Well, our first baseman had to sit out, and he also went on to the U of I. So I got to pitch and play first. Um, I guess I go back to junior year. Um, we had a great team. Uh, we went to the state tournament. Uh, I still have the article that I show our kids every year that we were favored to be number one. And the reason I show them that is because we all stayed up late and screwed around and did everything that, you know, that we have rules for against. And uh, we lost our first game. I still remember. And the interesting thing was it was supposed to be played at Peoria and it was mining field back in the day. Um, and it rained and it rained and it rained. So uh, we ended up playing at Limestone's Field, the same one that we play on to finish our season, and I just get a chuckle being in the dugout because I, I stood there in right. high school. I didn't play a whole lot our junior year because that team was so good. I think I pitched about 10 innings, did fairly well, but I only had five at-bats. So I share with our kids, junior year's tough when you're, you play all the time your freshman on your freshman team and your sophomore team, but you go to the varsity team and you've got the older guys ahead of you. So, But that, that same junior years when those guys went to that camp so I was the first baseman along with this other one that got a scholarship to U of I well he had to sit out and when he did I did really well I, I hit well and I was pitching well and ended up being all conference all that blah 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 stuff um and then <laughs> I should have gone well Bonte Community College is the Lincoln land of Aurora and I should have just gone there but I was way ahead in the clouds um thinking I was better than I was. I'm going to go pitch D1. So I picked the uh, Monster Baseball School of Western Illinois. Which, <laughs> and uh, so within, I was I was the most valuable player on our high school team. We had about 2,500 kids at West Aurora. We had a north campus and a south campus, which is now IMSA. Our north campus, which is IMSA, is where we our varsity games were played okay. my senior year. So... I'm going from thinking I'm really good to whatever it was in the fall, three months later, um, I'm cut. It, but I was the last guy cut, literally. Well, I went in to Coach Paulo and I said, Coach, I, I, I get it, I understand. Um, he said, Jimmy, you were the last guy cut. Uh, I said, well, College of DuPage is a junior college that I know is a good baseball school. Is that something, you know, could you refer me? He goes, well, I've got news for you. One kid just dropped off the team, so we'll welcome you back on the team. So I'm like, oh, wow, this is awesome. So, well, then I, oh, my brother came to visit, and the train runs through Macomb there, and I went running after him, and they had these little metal wires across, you know, to guard against people going across the tracks. Uh -huh. And I sprinted after him, and I just went head over heels, and I separated my shoulder, and that was kind of the end of, of that. Um, I recovered. I did really well in our summer kind of collegiate league. Um, threw really well. I came back the next year, 
but I got cut again, but this time it was for good. I mean, that's when I knew it was done. And, and I pitched, I think, one more year in that college league and still had success, but I said, that's, that's enough. I get yeah. it. I know. And I was a pitcher only uh, at that point. Um, and that was kind of it. And then I, I think I helped on a little league team. I coached a little league team and a pony league team in the years I didn't play in the summers. And then, uh, gosh, I was so fortunate that I student taught at Springfield High. Mm-hmm. And the funny part with that was I had two choices, the Quad Cities or Springfield. Well, my parents had brought my brother and I here when I was 10 or 12. I just remember liking it. It was all the Lincoln sites. Yeah. We stayed at the old Holiday Inn on the East End. It was a holodome. It was beautiful. And I just thought, that was a cool trip. I'll go there. Yeah. And that's, again, no <laughs> coincidence. It's just that's how I ended up in Springfield. Wow. And right, Dr. Mary Loken was the head of special ed. Um and because I was a male and I had a, just a wonderful t- student teaching experience with, with Connie Byerly, uh, who I still stay in touch with holidays and so forth, and Herschel Fitzpatrick, and, and they spoke well of me to Dr. Loken, who came and she set it up, so I already had a job. I was literally hired while I was student teaching. It was kind of a, oh, there was a, they had a special project called Project Growth at the time. Actually, Bob Brenneisen and I were hired the same, the same project the same day for 186, and it was he and I doing this thing where they were getting us into the district. Yeah. And that's how Springfield High started. Wow. So, and then, oh gosh. Well, then the Callahan year was 84, 85. And then Dan left to go help Itchy Jones right after they got second in the state. And John Lawson got the head coaching job. Well, I applied to be the assistant because I enjoyed it so much with Dan and got along great with John. And so I assisted him one year. And then for personal reasons, he decided one year was enough. I think it was Tor and and Ronnie's senior year. And uh, he moved on and I applied and I was hired when I was 23. Um, I didn't actually coach till I was 24, but it was right. It was like two months before my birthday. Yeah. I'm like, holy cow! <laughs> I mean, and I guess that was it. <laughs> and so, ever since then, when I thought I knew a lot and realized how stupid I've been all these years, and still am, um, but you kind of hope through the years some wisdom catches on. <laughs> and I loved having that discussion with the kids, saying, "I know." 99% of you are smarter than I am, book smart. And I was a decent student, but but I know they're smarter than I am. But you don't have the wisdom thing. And I can't tell you how dumb I thought my folks were growing up until I was that age, yep. 23, 24, and all of a sudden they became my heroes that, you know, it's like uh, they were a lot smarter than I thought. And I, I said, that's how this is going to be for a lot of y'all. You're, you're not going to appreciate a lot of things until you're older, just like you don't with your folks. And... Uh, it just kind of went from there. So, How about the fan side, the baseball side of enjoying the game, watching the game? Because obviously, like you said, you played and you were pretty good. <laughs> um, clearly, you were good. You got a D1 scholarship. Um, oh, it wasn't a scholarship whatsoever. Okay, but no, you got to play no, on a D1 no. team. We'll put right, it that way. Right, um, <laughs> barely. <laughs> so the the fan side of things, obviously looking here, you're a, a big Cubs fan. Um, that's obviously not easy growing up being a Cubs fan. But, um, it's kind of the same as the career I've had. Clearly the, the, the passion of, you know, the game came through and you, you became a Cubs fan. How did that start? 
Well, I think it was, it was literally that 69 team. I, I said, I, you know, I told you I was kind of chubby because I used to sit at home and watch every day game, and I'd eat my lunch and keep <laughs> eating. And, and, and my folks, my, my father, through my grandparents, ran an ice cream company, and we, we just eat out of the half gallon, and I just watched the ball game. So I still remember Willie Smith hitting the home run opening day and following that 69 team, and then that was the beginning of the heartbreak yeah. <laughs> of the Cubs. But, yeah, so I've enjoyed the, being a Cubs fan throughout that time. And, but that was it when I was seven years old. Uh, that was the 69 team, and then I was hooked. I just uh, <laughs> got fatter and fatter <laughs> because they were all day games. And uh, But what a what a way to grow up. I mean, it was – and really I shouldn't say I just – because after the game you go out and you play in the yard. And yeah. My brother and I, you can play one-on-one, you use your imagination – you throw off the garage, you break windows. My mom even caught me. She put on a catcher's mask and caught me. She, neither wow. parent had an athletic background, but they were by far the best coaches I've ever had. Mom was my mental coach because she was on my attitude, my faces, my language, um, everything I struggled with. And, and Dad was just a steady rock that quietly kind of was an example. And so it, it couldn't have been a better childhood. My brother and I were super confet- competitive. He he was a really good baseball player. Um, he didn't have the passion I did. He used to drive me nuts because he was more talented. Yeah. Um, and he did well at West also, but he had no aspirations to play after high school. So I don't know. It was just a really cool period to. And then, of course, yeah, I still follow it. I get into it more once our season's done. But yeah. but they're recorded and. and um, you know, my wife likes her shows upstairs, and this is <laughs> this is where I come after uh, get done with all the post game stat stuff. I come down here and watch the rest of whatever that day's Cub game was. What was the first time you saw a game at Wrigley? Mom and Dad took us about once a year. It was a big family trip. I just remember Billy Williams hitting two home runs because he was my hero. Uh, when coaches used to wear jerseys, I always wore twenty six because of him. Uh, Left handed hitter. Um, and I just remember going on his birthday one year when he hit two home runs. And so it was early 70s. It wasn't that first year because I was just kind of falling in love with him that year. But about once a year, maybe every other year, wasn't always every year, we'd, we'd go in the summer when we were both off of school and mom and dad would take us a trip to Wrigley. And dad was a Sox fan, so I got to okay. go see the old Comiskey yeah. a time or two. I actually saw Tim Hewlett from here play at second base for the White Sox during that time. Um, so, yeah, that was fun. One thing I've learned a lot over the last three years is I remember a lot of the first with my kids. Do you remember the first time you took your kids to Wrigley? I remember the, the first time or two. I think I went separately with each. I remember Sammy Sosa was still playing when I took Johnny, and TJ and I went separately. I just remember Zambrano being on the team. So it wasn't that long ago, 10, 15 yeah. years ago. I don't even remember why we went separately. Probably because the other had a game that particular yeah. day. Um, so what's that? The nineties, I guess, late nineties, early two thousands. That, and then we did a family one too. I know I've got a picture of that behind me where we all went, um, and they loved it. I mean, they they're Cub fans as well, and and we always have the radio on in the background. My wife loves Pat Hughes and 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 Coomer, so that's on all the time. So. Uh, we listen to 1450 a yeah. lot, you you know, the, the press box and then the Cub <laughs> games. Um, and we probably listen to the radio more than we watch on, on TV. So. Well, like for me, growing up in the Midwest and, you know, as a kid, when I walked into Wrigley, I'd never been around that many people before. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah. 
how does this many people fit in this this space? Like when you walk in, not only is it just the the view, but the fact that there's just so many people and you can just feel that buzz is is something that I'll always remember from like my first time walking in there. It's just unbelievable. Yeah, I I mean, <laughs> the parking's about like it isn't laying for your park. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I mean, there were a lot of long walks from there. Um, but I still remember when you walk up the steps and you see that green and oh. you just go, wow. Yeah. I mean, just the awe of seeing the whole field. And, you know, you, I watch it on TV for years, but it's not even no. close to being there in person. I mean, yeah. it's it's like you're at a rock concert, you know. And back in the younger years, there weren't that many people <laughs> um, necessarily. And you can get tickets fairly easy. And, and we never sat close till I, I was older and had buddies that had connections to go there. So... Yeah, that was cool. Where were you for the 2016 World Series? I was right upstairs in my chair. I, I'll, I'll remember that night. Um, was it a situation where you sat there every game to make sure? Oh, yes, yeah. Didn't no, it was uh, my wife and I, and I'm trying to, I don't I think the kids were all out by then. Um, but, man, that was that was so exciting. And uh, my buddy Gra- Brian Graham, teaching PE at, at Springfield, that I coached against him as a player at Lanphier. He went, he went to Cleveland, and uh, and he's texting me. And it was just amazing. The whole thing was uh, surreal. I mean, it was what made it even cooler was sixteen. Was that first year we went to state? So right. it's kind of like I'll never forget sixteen. Yeah. You know, um, what a what a great year that was, and how much fun it was, and and it was very similar in terms of our season, uh, our last one. Where you know they. It's, they they seemed out of it and they just kept hanging around. Right. So yeah, that that was definitely a highlight for all of us in the family. Yeah. How would you compare that feeling when when you watch the Cubs win it in extras in Game Seven to watching Richie strike out that last batter for you to win? Yeah, it's kind of almost the same. Yeah. I mean, it was very similar. And I guess having the Cub one happen first, it was kind of like. But this was more personal because it was our guys. Yeah. You know, even though those guys, it was the same thing. I mean, you just keep going, am I still alive? I mean, <laughs> you know, I, it's like, am I in heaven because everything's going right and you're so used to things not going right? I mean, right. as I mentioned, our, our uh, Springfield High teams over the years have paralleled the Cubs in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, but you also just learn to appreciate, you know, the losses. And that's the big theme that I... Uh, took me forever it's either you win or you learn and and i'm sure my self-esteem hung on losses for gosh probably about whatever it is now 36 years probably 30 of them <laughs> hung on that and in the last five or six it's like i'm pretty calm and cool with the loss because all right now i know what we need to work on because yeah. if you're just thumping people everybody looks good we're you're thinking you're better than you are so Losses are valuable in being able to. Hey, this now I know what we're gonna work on in practice. When before and guys don't listen when everything's going well. Um, why should they? It's like things are going fine, coach. We don't need whatever you got to help us uh, until they start failing, and and that's when you can dig in and coach. So, yeah, that all goes together somehow. <laughs> let's uh, let's touch a little bit on this year's team, just because I feel like you know. Let's we can kind of wrap it up with going into a little bit of this year's team, and I feel like the best place to start is probably um, with Griffin and what Griffin Burke has done for your team this year. When I mean we we've known how you've known how good he is, but for him to really step up and be your ace when when Seth is going through some injury issues, it's like I have a feeling you knew that Griffin was capable of this, but did you think that? 
I mean, it would work out this way for him. Sure. I, I, I think what gets lost even in last year's um, successes leading to a regional title is, is a lot of Griffin's numbers were nearly the same as Seth's. Mm-hmm. Only we won when Seth pitched, and, and we had some rough losses when, when Griff threw, but he had a lot of unearned runs. Just yeah. uh, Sometimes we didn't score. And, and I sort of pointed that out because they, they had their own little rivalry kind of together. Which <laughs> well, that is, can't be a bad thing. No, I guess, it's <laughs> because I think it's brought them together because I, I think that, you know, it, it chapped a little, uh, you know, some of the guys when, when Seth would have as much success, yet these guys were right there with them, you know. But now I think they don't care who gets the credit as much as is together. And gosh, lately Ryan Crumbs jumped in there too, throwing really well. So. And Seth's just coming back. So I've had a blast. I think I have a blast every year, even when they're rough, because it's just there's all the ebbs and flows and ups and downs, and uh, it's already been a lot of fun, and I just anticipate more. And Every day's a, I don't know, it's Christmas Eve every every night, getting ready for the next day, and you're not sure what you're going to get, and you just enjoy it. The versatility that you have, um, guys can play so many different positions, but... I don't know if guys like, I mean, for for a lot of the games that I've seen, it's been James Jenkins at third and then Enrico Veach at short. And just having those two guys on that side of the infield, I mean, they just seem like they've been so solid and they're so, it seems like they work so well together that um, that's maybe something that's not talked about quite enough. Oh, I mean, James has been huge in a lot of ways, as well as Rico. Rico's got so much ability. Um, and it's kind of interesting because we're shif- shifting them around a little because Rico's got a little tender arm, and so we're going to kind of move them around here for the next few days and see where that plays out. Um, but, yeah, that's the beauty of this whole group is that so many of the position guys are pitchers as well, and there's so many moving parts there, and, and we don't have the lights-out guy. Um, you know, as good as Richie was, it was a few times, you know, but we don't, we don't, obviously we don't have a Detmers. We don't have a guy that throws in the high 80s or touches 90. But we have a lot of guys that can pitch. And that's why it's fun to, if somebody's struggling, pop another guy in and maybe bring the other guy back. I mean, yeah, like you did last pass. week against Washington. Yeah, <laughs> but that's exactly what we did that state year. And, yeah. You know, people shake their head, well, uh, you know, too many this, too many that. It's like, it's working. Yeah. I mean, I get it if it doesn't work, but it's working. And, and sometimes that guy that starts needs a mental break. I'll never forget Joseph Crumb against Glenwood in that sectional game where he got hit pretty hard the first time. Well, we yeah. got him out, and you get a little different perspective. He came back, and he just slammed it. And a lot of times <laughs> the same guy can be two different pitchers in the same game in terms of how they handle a particular situation. You get them out, they get a break, they get a different perspective, they come back in, and now it's like, let's go. And I, I think they enjoy knowing that when I take them out, they might be back in. So it's like, don't go power over there because I took you out. Know that you could be right back in. So there's something to that, and it's it's working well again, and it saves pitches, and, and just, you know, and you go back to James and Rico, it's like, yes, they've, they've been, anytime you're solid in the infield and up the middle, and, and we've had our share of struggles, but things that we're working on to fix now, too, so... This year, well, I'll go back to last year. The the weather was awful until we got to May. Yeah, last two weeks, yeah. And you know, this year I feel like we did get a little taste of some warmer weather, but it's been pretty cool for the most part. How do you feel like that 
has affected or does it affect an offense at all? Well, a year like last year, I don't think we hit until it warmed up. And yeah. I think that's true for anybody. You see it from pros all the way down. There's one guy moving all the time. It's a pitcher. So he's the only guy that's really comfortable. And then you got a guy that gets to stay, move around a little four times a game when he's actually at the plate. It's hard to hit when it's cold, period. And it's fun to pitch because your ERA is going to go down, your strikeout's up. <laughs> um and this year's been much more moderate. I mean, we had a few of those that were borderline ridiculous, but I've also getting older. There's certain days I, I'm not, we're just not going to play. I mean, I used to, oh, we're going to play whenever we can. Now it's like, no, we'll wait and play later. Yeah. Uh, if it's 45 and little wind is sort of my limit, and it used to be, I don't care. Let's go. <laughs> if sun's out, it's not raining. Yeah. It's like how stupid that was that we did that. <laughs> so, you know, but... This year's been more moderate, so I think you know swings have come around sooner, and yeah, it's not bad. I mean, overall, it's it's been much better in terms of that condition-wise this year than last year. Well, I feel like Tim and Jim, especially whenever they're calling your guys' games, they're trying to reverse jinx Ryan and say he hasn't hit a home run yet. We're still <laughs> waiting for him to hit a home run. And it's like no, I th- I think that he's more than capable, and he knows that. But like they said last week, he's he's been hitting it to all parts of the ballpark right. this year a lot more right. than. You know, really, where teams can't just, you know, kind of shift him. Well, that's the beauty of, well, and this is where kids struggle. They all, I'll never forget the first time I saw Josh Donaldson talk about launch angle, and I thought, oh, no, this is going to go trickle down. (laughs) And it has. And we still hit too many fly balls, but Ryan's been the best one at buying in, hitting it through the middle, gap to gap. We're not going to try to hit bombs. And I always call them ooh-ahs when they hit those firework things that are caught. And it's like, well, that really looked pretty, but that was about the easiest out there is. They got plenty of time to get under it. Oh, they catch it at the track. I mean, that's not going to help you, you know, and especially in high school. you Line drives, ground balls are what, what's going to win games, not home runs. I mean, our... We had a little. We got to play our, our leading home run hitter of all time, and Matt Nunn at Whitney Young, and he hit ten. But they also had drop fives instead of drop threes. Um, now he'd have hit ten anyway, but that's out of a hundred times, one out of ten times, and that's the best. Yeah. And we're gonna try to do that. Forget it. So, <laughs> and Ryan's picked up on that probably better than anybody, and I think that's helped lead some of our other guys because kids have gotten that same mentality, and it's like. Have you seen why they changed the rules? It's because no one wants to watch home run derby and strikeouts and walks. Yeah. It's, I mean, last year was the worst. You talk about being a fan. I've never enjoyed less watching baseball last year. When those playoff games, I think there were two or 39 strikeouts and extra innings. Yeah. It's like, this is awful. Yeah. Uh, so I enjoy um, more of the small ball, the running, and the hit line drive game. I mean, that's that to me is baseball. The other stuff's... Slow pitch softball home run derby, you know, yeah. and that's not fun. As we get into May now, the calendar, and you know, you start to wrap up the conference um, conversation. How much do you pay attention to other teams as we start preparing for the postseason, or do you just focus on where your guys are at, how healthy they are, and what you see as the right fits for for your team? Yeah, I, th- I think we always and I tell our guys too because there's so much out there. They like to look at you. Know, they'll tell me who this, that, and the other is. I mean, if I need a scouting report, I just ask our kids. <laughs> but I don't really need a scouting report. Let's just take care of ourselves. And uh, 
I pay attention locally, just how things are going in general for folks. Obviously, I follow Plains a little bit, being out here in their district and having a son coaching there and, and being buddies with Dave. And, and I get along, that's another thing. All the coaches, they're so good around here. I mean, I know when I played in high school, a lot of times your baseball coach was, they're, they're frankly getting money for retirement. Um, they might have liked baseball, but they weren't passionate. Or, Man, you every coach around here is passionate. They're knowledgeable. They're most are former players. I think almost all of them were former players, um, and they this is what they love. And, and so that uh, yeah, so I'm kind of interested in how a lot of my buddies are doing around here. I keep track on you know I'll see how everybody did, but I'm not as hung up on conference stuff as I used to be, just because. And that was another Dave Beer line. It's like, tell me who won the last five years in our conference, and then tell me who went to state. And he goes, which one do you remember? And it's yeah. like, and that's a great lesson. And it's like kind of, it's yeah, that's a fun little thing to aim for. But at the same time, you're going to see the same teams in the postseason, and you want to show all your cards now, or do you not? I mean, and that's another thing to Dave's credit. I'll always remember when he threw <laughs> oldest son TJ against Williamsville, and I thought, what are you doing throwing TJ? I mean, TJ was okay, but he wasn't close. Well, that was the whole deal. He got to see their ace. Yeah. They got beat 11-1 to 1 at the hands of Junior. <laughs> but but the, the whole lesson in there was we just set them up for the postseason. And they beat them by one in extra innings. Um, and they'd seen their pitchers, and they and Williamsville hadn't seen theirs. And, and so there's kind of the whole deal with you know, oh, it's too bad Seth's been out all year. It's like, well, I'm not so sure it is. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, we'll work him in. He's got to throw a little, but it's like, I don't know that everybody needs to see him right. before, you know. And I think I go back to that's that, that loss that crushed the kids against SHG early. I was, I had a half grin. Like, man, we needed that because we thought we were at a different level. Right. And if we won that one, I don't, I think, and there's no guarantees at all in the postseason, but I just thought, you need a little humble pie and know that we aren't all that yet. Yeah. And and gosh, if you beat them twice then, I don't think you have a chance in the postseason. So it, that's, you know, yeah, I guess the long answer is yes, I pay attention to how things are going on, but I focus on where we're at. Well, Leading into that conversation, I'm not going to ask you to play your cards by any means, but as we look ahead to the next couple of weeks, you do get to go against Glenwood, who only has one conference loss. Um, so you kind of answered the question, but at the same time, you know, uh, back to the state year, you had to play them in a sectional game that went on for three and a half hours. And obviously that game, you kind of threw everything out the window because you were pitching so many different guys. I think there was, what, almost 400 pitches thrown in that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but... but <laughs> To get to my question, um, as you look, to have the opportunity to see a guy like Parker Demers before you go into the postseason, that's got to be a, a huge advantage when you know, you know you're going to either see him or you're going to see the kid from Muhammad that's throwing 97 yep. or yep. something like that where, okay, you know, let's let's see what we really can do now. Well, and that's – I was glad when we played U-High that Souser was able to pitch. Yeah. And, and, oh, he could pitch. That was the day he – kind of got his comeback and got on track because when he was hurt at Glenwood, he hasn't been the same until yeah. he threw against us, and then he was the same. And it's like, we need to see that to prepare for that because, you know, those are the kind of guys, Walters, like you mentioned, at Muhammad, and, and Parker, and yeah. So you want to see that kind of stuff so that you've got a clue what you're up against. And I think the kids are pretty well aware of that, you know, that 
that's what's coming and you better be ready for it. And and sometimes the opposite is true. We, we, a lot of teams struggle with the, the softer tossers because they're expecting the other stuff yeah. and they're off balance. So just to see a mix, I think, is good. And and while we're excited that you know we'll have the opportunity to play Rochester and those guys, it, it's not the end all either way. Whatever happens, happens because odds are we're going to see one or both down the road again. And uh, and just take one day at a time and learn from what doesn't work and use it later. You hope. Awesome. I appreciate your time. Nope. Thank you. Thank you to Coach Steinwart for his time. I could go on for hours with him on just about every topic you can think of. I greatly appreciate his time and his insight. Thank you for listening this week. If you like it, remember to share it. Get ready for the postseason because it's here. I will see you next week. (laughs) 